A teacher gave her class of second graders a lesson on the magnet and what it does. So the next day, in a written test, she included this question. My full name has six letters. The first one is M. I pick up things. What am I? When the test papers were turned in, the teacher was astonished to find that nearly half of the students answered the question with this word, mother. It doesn't take children long to learn there isn't a limit to what a mother will do for them. And a mother's love will be with their child through thick and through Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. Most of us can attest to how much a mother loves her children and the lengths she will go for them. And as Charles Tapp explains this week, the love of a mother in a very real way is God's way of revealing his heart towards us. As he shares this special Mother's Day message, a mother's love. It has been said that next to the love of God, the love of a mother is the strongest, is the most powerful force in our world today. Do you agree with that? At least all the mothers should say amen. Now, I'm not sliding the fathers. Please don't get me wrong. You'll get your chance next month. It's about the mothers today. Is that all right? But truth be told, whether you and I want to admit it or not, there is something unique. There is something that is different. There is something that is special when it comes to the love that a mother has for her children. We see this play out every day right in front of our eyes, especially in the world of sports. How many times have you seen athletes eager to acknowledge their moms on camera in the middle of some athletic competition? Even if they're sitting on the bench and even not in the game, if a camera is pointed at them, they will instinctively wave and say, hi, mom. When was the last time somebody said, hi, dad? I'm, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. That's next month. That's next month. But instinctively they do it. Nobody forces them to do it. It's just something that's become a part of the cultural landscape of our times. And there's probably no better place where a mother's heart is put on display where it reveals the true magnitude of a mother's love for her children than that which is found in the Holy Scriptures. From the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, God's word is replete with example after example after example that powerfully depicts the love that a mother has in her heart that has been placed there by God. I today will even go out on a limb and say that the ability to express this level of love, God didn't just give it to mothers, I believe that God has placed this in the heart of every woman. And when a woman becomes a mother, it just amplifies the opportunity to demonstrate and to express that level of love. For many of us, 
our mothers are gone, but there are people in our lives that God has given a heart of motherhood to that have helped us along the way. Motherhood is deeper than biological, as one author said. Motherhood is an attitude and not just a biological relation. But today I want to draw our attention to three well-known mothers in Scripture. And as we do this today, our purpose is to examine not only their ability and their willingness to demonstrate a mother's heart in a very powerful and meaningful way, but in doing so, we are given a glimpse into the very heart of God himself. The first mother we want to take a look at is found in the book of Exodus. Turn there with me, Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 to verse 9. Look at what the word of God says here. A man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived, bore and bore a son, and when she saw that he was what kind of child? A beautiful child. Now what mother doesn't think their child is beautiful? Every child is beautiful in the eyes of a mother. You better say amen to that. Come on now, your child may be listening and watching today. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for how long? For three months. But when he could no longer hide, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it in asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, laid it in the reeds, by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Verse 5. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. And her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw, the Bible says, the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. Verse 6. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of whom? The Hebrew children. We'll come back to that later. Verse 7, then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and, and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went out and called the mother's child. Look at verse 9 here. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you wages. She's getting paid now to bring up and rear her own child. Amen. You can't beat that. How many of you mothers wish somebody paid you for raising your own child? Come on now. So the woman took the child and did what? And nursed him. Some of the mothers are getting some ideas here now. Listen, in order to place this scenario that we just read from in its proper context, we've got to know what happened earlier in Exodus chapter 1. And here in Exodus chapter 1, we see that there is a new pharaoh, a new king of Egypt that did not have the relationship that the former pharaoh did with Joseph and the Hebrew children. And when he began to look out over the landscape and see that this nation of Hebrews was growing year after year, he became afraid, the Bible said in his heart. So he devised plans to try to put it to an end because he was afraid that one day when war broke out that these Hebrews would side with his enemies. So he devised all kinds of ways to put this to an end. The first 
The Bible says he had his taskmasters increase their workload by building city after city. But the more the Bible says that he afflicted pain upon them, the stronger the nation became and the bigger they became. Secondly, when this didn't work, he said, I'm going to make their lives bitter in all manner of service. In other words, he was trying to make their lives miserable, but this failed as well. Then finally, he commanded all the the Hebrew midwives to take the lives of all the newborns, but they secretly did the opposite. He told them, listen, every time they have a male child, just, just throw him in the river. But they didn't do it. And the Bible says the nation continued to grow. And when Pharaoh saw that, he said, wait, 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 wait a minute. So he calls in the midwives and he said, what's going on? I thought I told you to get rid of the children. He said, well, I tell you, you know, the, 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 the Hebrew women are just different from the Egyptian women. They're lively. I love that word. They're lively. And by the time we get there to deliver the child, the child's already been born. You know, whoever says the Bible is boring has not read it. It is definitely an indictment upon you. They're not like the Egyptian women. They're lively. When I get a chance, I'm going to look up that word in the Hebrew to see what it really means, that they were lively. But finally, because this didn't work, Pharaoh commanded that they take every Hebrew child that was born, cast them into the river, and drown them. But Jochebed the mother of Moses was willing to allow her child, listen to this, to be raised in the very household of the people who were keeping her people in bondage. And here's what we learn about the heart of a mother. The one of the most amazing qualities that God has placed within the heart of a mother is the unfathomable links that mother is willing to go to to make sure that her child is kept safe and to make sure that her child is protected, even at the tremendous personal sacrifice that they may have to endure. Jacobin was willing to give up Moses to the enemy just to keep him alive. Talk about a heart of a mother. That's what mothers do. Mothers will do anything. They will go to any length to keep their child safe. Can I get a witness today, mothers? Even if it means it will come at a cost of personal sacrifice. But that was Jochebed. But now let's go to the mother of Hannah. As we learn from the life of Hannah, there's probably no greater impact that a mother can have in the life of her child, even while that child is still yet in the womb, than to be a mother, to be a woman who is committed to the power of prayer, to guide that child, to protect that child, as well as to have that child later influence the lives of others. Let's just give some background here to Hannah's story. I'm sure some of you, most of you are probably familiar with it, but for those of you who are not, Let's just take a look at it quickly. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we are told that her husband, Elkanah, had two wives, of which Penina was one, and she was the other. Penina could give birth, but she could not, which not only caused great personal pain, but she was looked down on 
by the community because she could not give birth to a child. And you've got to remember the culture of the day. If a woman could not give birth to a child, if she could not conceive, it was looked upon as though she had been cursed by God. But now we know many times it's not the woman's that the issue. How convenient it is to blame the woman. She can't conceive. She must be cursed by God. What if they had the technology that we have today? And what if the husband came to the realization that he was the one, that he was the issue? Would he then say, I am cursed of God? I don't think so. But a community looked upon her as if she'd been cursed by God. Now let's pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Verses 9 to verse 11. Let's take a look at it. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul. In other words, she was in anguish over the fact that she wanted to bear a child but could not, especially a male child, and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. How many of you have wept in anguish over something? Not necessarily a child, but maybe you wept in anguish over the child God had already given you. Have you done that? Oh yes, there is no greater prayer than the prayer of a mother for her child who has walked away from God, who has turned their back on the church, who has even walked away from their home and has gotten themselves to all kinds of issues. There's no greater prayer than that of a mother. A mother will be down by her bedside on her knees at night for hours until the early morning praying for that child. And I can imagine that's how Hannah was praying. And in verse 11, then it says, she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant. Look, she's calling it an affliction. And remember me. How many times have you said to God, oh God, just remember me. You can bless everybody else, but just don't forget me. And not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. I think that's interesting. She didn't just pray for a child. Now she couldn't give birth. She couldn't conceive. You would think she would say, just give me a child. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female. Just give me a life within me. But she said, no, I want a male child. That was the true blessing of the day. Not just a child, but to have a male child, that was truly looked upon as being a blessing of God. She says, if you do that, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall come upon his head, taking the Nazarite vow. The Bible goes on to say that she prayed with such anguish that the priest Eli, when he saw her, thought that she was drunk, that she was intoxicated. And to make a long story short, we know that Samuel was born. He ultimately became a priest. He ultimately dedicated and anointed not one, but two kings, Saul and King David. All because of a mother's heart. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, A Mother's Love. 
And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Man, when I think about WGTS, I think about family. And uh, WGTS lift me up. The whole crew has truly been a blessing in my life. And um, I'm forever grateful for WGTS and what they do for myself and for the community. Support makes a difference. I always uh, encourage people. Like, you want to listen to something, be encouraged when you're going through a tough time. Starting 91.9, um, they are definitely up with the spirits. And uh, especially in the trying time we're in right now in society. Working together to impact the nation's capital. We are and I am forever grateful for, for the WGPS family because that's exactly what it is family. And we get to be a part of that as listeners, which is is amazing. Listener funded. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. At 88.3 on the Eastern Shore. This is Simple Truths for Life. And this week, Charles Tapp explains that in a very real way, the love of a mother is God's way of revealing his heart towards us. As he continues with the rest of his message, a mother's love. But look at the testimony of Hannah in 1 Samuel 1, 27 to 28. And when you get a chance, when you go home, read the entire first half of chapter 2 of 1 Samuel. But let's just look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 27 and verse 28. Look at what it says. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him. Verse 28. Therefore, did you see that? I prayed, I've got it. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. That's what worship is. It's man's response to what God has done. When was the last time you just privately worship the Lord. I'm not talking about in a corporate setting like here in church. But when's the last time you had a private worship service with the Lord? Well, God did something in response to a prayer and all you could do, even while you're driving on the beltway, was to praise and give worship to God. Worship is not necessarily what we do But worship is a way of life. It's our response to what God has done, is doing, and will do in our lives. And let me just add this caveat. Some of us today need to worship God and praise God for what he has yet to do in our lives. Hannah, because of her determination to seek the Lord in prayer and because of her willingness to sacrifice the very child for which she had prayed. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 21 that God visited Hannah and blessed her to conceive, listen to this, three more sons and two daughters. So by the time you add it all up because of this mother's prayer who had a barren womb, she now has not one but six children. And that's why you got to read 1 Samuel chapter 2, because in the first portion of chapter 2, all she is doing is praising God for what God 
has done in response to our prayers. And I know this isn't a message about prayer today, but how can you talk about mothers without talking about prayer? How many of us, we've prayed for something, and when we get it, we just forget to thank God for it, and we move on to the next thing. But I love the fact that Hannah stopped and she took time to praise God. Never, listen to me, never underestimate the power of a praying mother. Did you hear what I said? Never underestimate the power of a praying mother. So from the heart of Jochebed, the mother of Moses, we learned that the lengths to which a mother's willing to go through to protect the life of her child, even at tremendous personal sacrifice and cost. And from the heart of Hannah, we discovered the mother of Samuel, how she was allowed to see the power of a praying mother on full display, even before the child was conceived. But now, it is from the heart of Mary, the mother of Jesus, that we are to witness the death of pain that the heart of a mother can feel. From the time that Mary received the visit from the angel Gabriel, informing her that she would be with child, despite the fact that she tells Gabriel, I have never been with the man. I have never known a man. This, friends, is a clear indication that there's not going to be your ordinary mother-child relationship. And I'm sure there are moments in Mary's life where, where she felt proud of Jesus, where she had the pride of a mother swell up in her heart, especially when they were at the wedding of Cana. You remember that? How the guests, the host rather, ran out of wine. So Mary came to Jesus and said, son, you know, can you, can you do your thing here? He says, well, you know, my time hasn't come yet, but okay. And this is the part I love. This is the part we overlook sometimes. Mary now, without any prodding from Jesus, goes to the servants and said, you see that boy over there? That's my son. Do whatever he says. And the Bible says they took the, the pails of water and Jesus blessed them and turned them into wine. In other words, Jesus saved the day. And why do I say that? Because in those days, a wedding didn't last a day, not even two days. Wedding lasts for a week. I got three daughters, have mercy. I couldn't have made it back in those days, folk. Can you imagine the pride she must have felt just standing there in her heart saying, that's, that's my boy, that's my son. But there's the moment that stands out in my mind in the life of ministry of Jesus what would break any mother's heart. When Mary experiences her greatest pain as a mother, and that is when she sees this son that she carried for some nine months, that she held in her arm, that she fed by her own breast, now being hung on a cruel Roman cross. Let's look at it in John's gospel, John chapter 19, verses 25 to verse 27. 
Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Verse 27, then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the Bible says, that disciple, talking about John, took her to his own home. There are no words to describe the pain that Mary must have felt seeing her son on that cross. Yes, he was the son of God. Yes, he was the Christ. Yes, he was the Messiah. Yes, he was the anointed one. But first and foremost, in Mary's eyes, he was her son. I don't know how you feel when somebody messes with one of your children. You talk about pain when somebody hurts your child? What? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. This wasn't just the Messiah. This wasn't just the one that the nation of Israel had been looking for. This was her son. And now he's hung on a cross. But it is in this moment of severe pain and anguish that the heart of a mother reveals one of his greatest qualities, and that is faithfulness. For a mother and a mother's love will be with their child through thick and through thin. A mother's love will always be there. Not so with the crowd that just a few days earlier as Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem and they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now those people are nowhere to be found for they were in that other crowd a few days later saying crucify him. Even the disciples were gone except for the one called John. But there was someone else at the foot of that cross whose heart was in anguish, whose heart was breaking like no one else's heart who was there could be broken. And that was Mary. And it is through the heart of this mother that we are given a clearer picture into the very heart of God. Because no matter how much pain a child causes their parent, a mother's love is just that. And you have to admit, some of your children have caused you some pain. Some of you have lost sleep. Some of you have cried out in anguish like Hannah, Lord, save my child, whatever you do. Listen, there's nothing stronger than the power of a mother's prayer, and there's nothing more powerful than that of a mother's heart. Next to the love of God. Listen, God's affection for his people is greater than the devotion a mother has for her nursing child. It is not within God's nature to forget you. And it is through a mother's heart that God allows us to see just a glimpse of the heart 
of God. And he's given us mothers. And he's given us women. So that we can just have a small glimpse into what his heart is really like. And for the love that he has for you and for me. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, A Mother's Love. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. We can become so preoccupied with his return that we forget to be occupied with his return. Next week, Charles Tapp examines what it means to be preoccupied with Christ's return or occupied with his return. With his message, occupied or preoccupied. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life. Man, when I think about WGTS, I think about family, and uh, WGTS lifts me up. The whole crew has truly been a blessing in my life, and um, I'm forever grateful for WGTS and what they do for myself and for the community. Your support makes a difference. I always uh, encourage people, like, you want to listen to something to be encouraged when you're going through a tough time, starting at 91.9. They are definitely up with the spirits. And uh, especially in the trying time we're in right now in society. Working together to impact the nation's capital. And I am forever grateful for for the WGPS family because that's exactly what it is, family. And we get to be a part of that as listeners, which is is amazing. Listener funded. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. At 88.3 on the Eastern Shore.